So here we go. We're up for a message. This is the first time I've preached for nearly six months with people in the room. Yes, yes. So I'll be ducking and diving for the tomatoes that come my way in a moment. But hey, it's been so good just to, to rest and reflect and pray and seek God for next steps. And what happens is in that moment when you, you get to rest, just some of the, the baggage, some of the noise just goes and you're able to sit with the Father and make plans. So I wonder if you're with me in terms of diving in to what God's got for us and embracing this season, unusual phrase in this time, let's embrace the season we're living in because in many ways God's doing incredible things. I know there's lots of difficulty all around us, but if you look close enough, God is doing some amazing, amazing things. I believe people are more open than they've ever been in my lifetime. People are praying more than they've ever done in my lifetime. People are asking questions. People are checking out church. People are looking for faith more than they've ever done in my lifetime. God's up to some stuff. And I know there's lots of difficulty going on too, but let's see the goodness and faithfulness of God in that. I loved it a couple of weeks ago when Marge and his children did a lockdown life testimony. And one of the things that stuck with me that Marge said there is God has been faithful. And God will continue to be faithful. The question is, church, can we be faithful with him? Can we walk this out with him and play our part in his big picture? And I've had lots of conversations with people and, you know, how are you getting on in this time? And, and the trouble is so many people are using sentences like, I can't wait for it to go back. But I've talked to a lot of my friends who work in the city and the language they're using is they don't think it's ever going to go back. They won't go back to going up to London five days a week, the great commute, a couple of hours on the train, all the expense away from the family, just to be able to do exactly what they're doing at home and probably better. And so I wonder if actually we've got to stop using this language of I can't wait to, for it to go back, because maybe it's never going to go back. Maybe we ought to learn to embrace what God is doing in this season and be faithful with him. Do you know what? There is so much biblical stuff about not going back, not looking back, not turning back. The obvious story would be Lot and his wife. You know, God has called them out of the city, the city of Sodom, which is just a horrendous place, lots of awful things happening there. And he says, come out and don't look back. And so the family comes out, but Lot's wife just takes one look back, and when she turns around, she turns to a pillar of salt. It's a really famous story, and the concept is, I'm bringing you out of what once was, and I'm taking you forward. Don't look back there, because it will hold you there. And it's happened to Lot's wife, and there's so many more stories. How about this as our first verse here? In Luke 9 and verse 60, uh, 62, Jesus says, Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know, whoo, whoo, it's a bit, bit tough. But Jesus never minced his words, did he? And the concept is this, and I've never been a farmer. We're standing on a farm, actually, but I, I've never been a farmer. But if you plow, especially with old school plows, and you were going this way and you kept your eyes straight, you kept in a straight line, the moment you turned back, you'd start to wiggle off course. And Jesus was saying, if you're going to keep looking back, you're not fit for the kingdom because you're going to wiggle all over the place. And I've set my heart forwards. And so we are called to keep aiming forwards, keep stepping forwards, keep grasping what God's doing and joining in with it and not keep looking back because you tend to go off course. And Jesus made it clear there. How about this one? Another famous passage, Isaiah 43 and verses 18 and 19. It says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And here's the thing. We love to celebrate that verse in church life. God's doing a new thing. And we love to celebrate the new thing until we've actually got to do something new. And then it's like, oh, oh, when's when's the old coming back? Well, come on, church. How about today's the day we start joining in with what God's doing? He's doing a new thing. We've got to stop turning back and going, I can't wait till it goes back. And start saying, I'm going to do the bit I need to do to join in with what God's doing. Is there an amen in the house? There's one amen over there somewhere. This is time, church, to be courageous. This is time to seek the Father, get on his page, and do what it takes to stay with him. Because amazing things are on their way, I believe, for each of you, your families, the church, the world. God's got got this. So my title today, very long intro there, my title today is You Count. Turn to three people next to you right now and say, You Count. See, the reality is... You aren't a number, you're not a statistic, but you're an incredibly important individual with a part to play, a story to tell. You count. And you look through the Bible and God has great history in making one important. Have a look at this verse here in Jeremiah 5 and and verse 1. Go up and down the streets of Jerusalem. Look around and consider. Search through her squares. If you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. How about that? One person screams to God, look and find me one. Because that person's important to me and it declares something to me. See, one person carries weight with God and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. Therefore, you are important to God. You count. You scream out to God and you get his attention. Your life counts for something. And I want to drive that home because we're going to step into something new, church. And you want to be part of that. The obvious story here would be the parable of the lost sheep. You know, most people would be familiar with that story. You know, the shepherd brings the sheep home, puts them in the pen, he counts them up, and he's got 99 sheep. But he should have 100. And rather than just settling, rather than thinking, I've got most of them, rather than thinking, I've got 99%, I'm doing quite well, that's an A double star. He's thinking, no, I want all of them. That one counts. So what does he do? He closes the pen and he goes looking. Hear this, the 99 are still hugely important, but they are safe, they are secure, they are fed, and they are watered. So in this moment, the most important one is the one that isn't safe, secure, fed, and watered. That is the one that is getting the Father's attention. So what does he do? He goes looking. The shepherd goes looking because one counts. One's important. The 99 are important. But the one in this moment is the most important. One counts. I love the the, the film, The Hacksaw Ridge. Um, Last May, we we used it in our Movie May series. And it's a a true story about Desmond Doss, a soldier who refused to pick up a gun but became a medic in the army. And there's a scene where he's up this ridge and it was just carnage. Everyone was getting blown up. It was horrendous. But he refused to go down without looking in case there was one more person alive. 
And he prays as a Christian man, a man of faith. He prays, he says, God, give me one more. And he goes back and there is bombs everywhere and he can't see anything and he's wounded, but he finds one more and he brings that person over and lowers them down. And instead of giving up, what does he say? He says, God, give me one more. And he goes back. It is so inspiring. If you've never watched that film, let me recommend it to you. Hacksaw Ridge, true story. It is so inspiring. And right there is the heart of the father. So if in this moment you are safe and secure and fed and watered and content, God bless you. You count. You are on God's mind. But if in this moment you are not in that situation, your life is screaming out to the Father. You're important to him. Why? Because you count. All of you count. Not only does God have a history in reaching out to the one, he also has great history in using one to reach out. You know, we will all be familiar with the John 6 passage of the feeding of the 5,000. Very famous passage. And we know the story. There's all these men, and it's 5,000 men and their wives and their children, so likely to be more like 15 to 20,000. So let's call it 20,000. There's all these people here hungry. And Jesus says, is there anyone who will step up? And this little lad comes forward and he's got five loaves and two fishes. You know the story. And it just got me thinking. I don't know what it's like in your house in the mornings, but our house is hilarious. Because you've got Evie get, um, getting up and getting ready for school and she likes very different food to Josh. And you've got Josh getting up and you know what the boys are like. Josh has got 30 seconds to get out of the door. And Josh and, 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 and my wife Sarah is there saying, I've made you a sandwich, Josh. And Josh is like... I didn't want a sandwich, I wanted a chicken bake. And he has to have his chicken bake all cooked and, and wrapped up in the foil to keep it warm for his lunchtime. And so we have to sort that out. And it's bedlam. And Eve is just happy with a bit of fruit and a, and a bit of bread with butter on it. She's happy as Larry with that. It's so different in our household. But it's bedlam. You're trying to get it right. I think that's the kind of morning this lad had. And his mum said, oh, I haven't got much in the house. Oh, here's, here's a couple of fish and, and some loaves. Just, just go with them. That will do you. Little did they know that Jesus was going to stand there and say, would anyone step up? Has anyone got anything to offer? 20,000 people. I don't know if you've been in a stadium with 20,000 people. It's a lot of people. Five loaves, two fish. But what happens? God uses the lunch of one to feed 20,000 and it seemed like nothing in the morning when they were putting it together. But when someone brings what they've got and presents it to Jesus, it is amazing what he can do with it. You see, Jesus reaches out to the many by using one. And I want to say to you, you count. You count. You have got something to offer. Consider Moses, another very famous story. Moses frustrated that his people are in captivity. They're in slavery. They're being driven to work harder. They're being driven to do more. And it's frustrating. And Moses has run away from it all. He's got so frustrated he even murdered a man. And he's hiding away, just getting on with his life. And then God calls him. And he says, Moses, I've seen the people. And I want to send you, one man. Now, Moses uses every excuse under the sun to say, well, why me? I'm not a good communicator. I, I, I've done terrible things. And, and God says, no, 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 I'm going to use you. And then Moses says this, this weird thing. He says, what have I got? What will be my sign? 
And I love this, and I hope it speaks to you. Exodus 4, verses 1 and 2. Moses says to God, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. You see, so often I wonder if we are looking at ourselves and thinking, in the overall scheme of things, who am I? Well, that's exactly how Moses felt. And then maybe we look at ourselves and think, in the overall scheme of things, what have I got to offer? Well, that's exactly what Moses felt. And do you know what he had? A stick. He had a stick. And God said, what have you got in your hand? He went, I've got a stick. And God said, that'll do me. That'll do me. And when you follow the story through, the stick does amazing things. It turns into a snake and back out again. And what happens? They get to the Red Sea. They're up against the wall of sea. There's nowhere they can go. The Egyptian army are chasing them down. And what does he do? He remembers, I've got my stick. And he raises his staff. And God does a miracle. He opens up the water and he saves an entire nation. Why? Because he didn't say, who am I, just one. He didn't say, what on earth have I got? I've got just a tick. He just said, yes. And when one person says yes to God, it's incredible what God can do through that one person. You count. You count. Moses didn't think he counted. That little lad with the loaves and fishes didn't think he counted. But God did amazing things. So how about take heart in this moment, in this very weird situation we find ourselves living in, you count, you count. You might look at yourself and think, what have I got to offer? You might think to yourself, well, I go to the business world and who am I in the overall scheme of things? You might go to the teaching world and think, who am I? You may just be living at home, bringing up your children on an ordinary street, but you count and you've got something in your world. If you'll just say yes to God, He's going to do amazing things through you. Imagine with me for a moment if a church full of people who actually believed they had something to offer all started playing their part. It wouldn't be one. It would be two. It would be three. It would be 10. It would be 50. It would be 100. It would be 200. It would be 1,000 people all going out there. I've got a part to play and I believe it. I've got a yes in my heart. I'm not sure I've got loads to offer, but what I have got, I just say yes. And when God's men and women and children say yes, the little tiny bit we've got, God can do amazing things. I loved Pastor Steve Graham's message the other week on the talents. And we started talking about what talents we've got. But I think sometimes people can start recognizing their talent and then feel like their talent's not good enough. Well, I want to just check you right there. Your talent is enough. If five loaves and two fishes was enough, if a stick was enough, whatever you've got to offer is enough. You just need a yes in your heart and God's going to use you. So come on, turn to three people wherever you are right now, wherever you're watching this, and say, come on, just have a yes in your heart. Have a yes in your heart. Come on, tell three people. I love Desmond Doss. Give me one more. Could we get that attitude in our hearts that looks around us and said, is there one person I could reach out to? Is there one person I could raise my stick up? Is there one person I could offer a loaf to? Is there one person I could just show some kindness to? Is there one person I could pray for? Is there one person I could share my testimony with? Is there one person I could encourage? Come on, you've got something to offer. And if you'll say yes, just watch this space. God's going to use you because you count. Ultimately, Jesus is the one. 
You know, Christ, the word Christ means anointed one. The word anointing means to be rubbed in. So here is Jesus, the one who has the power of heaven rubbed into him. He came down to reconcile man and God. He came down to demonstrate the authority of heaven on earth. He came down to bring healing and hope. He came down to show the goodness of his father. And he was the anointed one empowered from heaven to do that, to bring the Father's love. Look at Jesus' language right here in John 14 and verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other sneaky ways. It's me. I am the way. I am the one. It's me. I am the anointed one. I am the Christ. Jesus declared that. He says something similar here in John 10, verses 7 through 11. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Can you see Jesus' language there? It's me. I'm the one. There's no other way. It's me. I'm the gate. I'm the shepherd. I'm the way. It's me. And what have I come to do? reconcile you to the Father, lay my life down so that you would have fullness. There's a thief coming to try and steal that away from you, but I am the way. And I don't know how you view life, where you stand in faith, but for me, to believe in a creative, powerful God who created everything I see around me is far easier than to believe it was all just a fluke or an accident. You know, there's, there's tension all around these kind of conversations. But for me, and I respect everyone else's viewpoint, but for me, it's easy to believe in a creative God. When you look at our skin and our eyes and our heart, and when you look at the mountains and the sea and the fish and reproduction, a creative God. I love it. Not just some weird force that's out there, but a God in person who has emotions and feeling. The God who knows my name. The God who may be on purpose and for purpose. The God who is outrageously good and outrageously loving and outrageously generous. That's my God. And when Jesus says, I am the way into relationship with God, I take Jesus seriously. There's no other sneaky way. You can be the goodest and kindest person on the planet, but you can't be good enough and kind enough. You just need Jesus. Because Jesus has been good enough and kind enough on our behalf. And so what I love to do is just reconcile myself every day and say, Jesus, you are God and I'm not. And what happens? He brings this peace into my world, this satisfaction into my world that you cannot buy and you cannot find anywhere else. I love to walk out life with my Jesus because he is the anointed one. He is the Christ. He is the gate. He is the way. He is the only one. And he's almighty God. Come on, there must be three people in the house who are agreeing with me right now. Come on, someone say amen on the chat box at least. Here's the thing. Because he has helped me, and because he's always been there for me, it empowers me and encourages me to be the one to help someone else. You know, I know God will help me. And so when I look around and see someone else struggling, isn't it awesome to be able to the one to be Jesus' hands and feet and step in and help them? 
just like Desmond Doss. Give me one more. Is there one person I could bless? Is there one person I could help? Is there one person I could stand with? And all the while, he will never stop helping me. God will never stop helping me. What peace. I love this. Isaiah 46 and verse 4. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain, sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. you know, all the way to the end, God is promising, I am the one who will sustain you, protect you and carry you. I believe that to be true. And therefore, I can have peace about tomorrow. I can have peace about the rest of this year. I can have peace about next year. Why? Because God is going to be there with me, carrying me and sustaining me. And that empowers me to carry someone else and sustain someone else and help someone else. Because he is the one that enables me to be the one for someone else. And that right there, church, if we can grasp some of that stuff, your life counts. We can bring hope and health and healing to a world that desperately needs it. In a time when people are more open than ever. In a time when people are looking for something more than they are seeing. Come on church, let's make it glaringly obvious. Let's be Jesus' hands and feet and mouthpiece in our time. Come on, your life counts. Can I speak to the church for a moment? And I know many, many people tune into these services who, who aren't yet part of church. And it's our privilege to share our faith with you and, and look for Jesus. You'll find him and it will change your world. But I, I love to speak to the church sometimes. And I hope, church, this message inspires you because you're important. Yes, you're part of this epic group of people that we call Equippers Church Essex. But you're also a unique and brilliant individual who has a part to play and a story to tell. And when I look at church... There's lots of keys and functions and roles of the church, but one of them is to empower people to function in their gift. One of them is to empower people to step into their dream because we can support each other and cheer each other on and pray for each other and help each other into that. And people need to feel empowered to step into their dreams. So the prayer that needs to be on our heart is, God, I'm available. Use me. Send me. Do what you need to through me. And as I've analyzed this past nearly six months, the question is, how is God doing that right now? How is God reaching out to people? How is God bringing peace into homes? How is God touching lives? And I believe the key way he's doing that right now is online. The church is touching more lives. Christians are touching more lives online than we've ever touched, ever. Most churches that I've looked at are getting three or four times the amount of people watching their service than they've ever had on a Sunday morning. People are looking. And when Jesus walked the earth, he went where the people were. You know, I think a lot of what I'm going to call religious people would have been highly offended by Jesus because he went to the parties. He went to where the people were hanging out. And do you know what? People wanted him there because he was a good guy to have around. He brought life. And so he was around where the people were. And his, his opportunities to reconnect people with the Father, shift them out of a lifestyle that was bringing them down and put them on a path that leads to life. And I wonder, when we look at church over the years in history, that what the church has done is stepped away from society, created what I want to call a holy bubble, and just been, I think it's been perceived as aloof. And we've all got together and done our own little thing and, and called ourselves holy. 
but we've impacted less and less and less people. That isn't what Jesus did. And so when I look at social media, and I've talked to lots of people about social media, and there's all kinds of language around it, but I wonder if many people in church life have retreated from social media and become aloof about it. Oh no, there's so much negativity on there. There's this, there's that, and the other thing. Well, I want to say Jesus wouldn't have been doing that, in my opinion, because he went to the parties where people were getting drunk. He went to the parties where all kinds of weird stuff was happening, and he put himself there. Why? Because they're the very people he was trying to reach out to. And so, church, I want to encourage you, consider social media. Don't be aloof. Don't retreat. That's where the people are. And wouldn't it be amazing if some of your generosity and kindness that you put on display, wouldn't it be amazing if your testimony that you put on display, wouldn't it be amazing if your church service that you shared and put out there, wouldn't it be amazing if some comment you made of encouragement to someone just changed some lives of people you may never even meet? I've got thousands of friends on my social media account. I don't know half of them. But you know what? Cool. <laughs> they know me. <laughs> but here's the thing. I'll share this service this Sunday and some of them will see it. And here's the thing. I'll put a, 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 a comment out one day next week and they will see it. I'll share a picture of my family and they will see it. And what they are seeing is what it looks like to be a godly man today. And it doesn't matter if I know them or I don't know them. They are seeing what it looks like to know Jesus. And Jesus, everywhere he went, engage with people so come on church i believe now is the time where the church needs to be online the church needs to be making comment you count your story you don't know who might read it you don't know you may never meet them but wouldn't it be awesome just dream with me for a moment wouldn't it be awesome if there was a day in heaven and there was toby in heaven because i think toby's safe he's going he's all right toby's in no pressure. Toby's in heaven. And some fella comes up to Toby in heaven and says, Tobes! Tobes, he says. And Tobes looks around and says, who are you? And he went, well, I used to follow you on social media. You've never met me before. But there was something you said. There was something you said, and it stuck in my heart. And it took a few months. But you know what? I went to my local church and checked it out, and there's a great preacher there. Barry Roberts. No, there was a great preacher there. There was a great preacher, and he said something that stuck in my heart. And the day came, and I, and I met Jesus, and it changed my life. And Toby's like, wow. You know, I believe there's going to be stories like that. Really, I know we joke and laugh, but come on, church. You don't know the power. What have you got in your hand? Well, I'll tell you what. I've got a little computer, a little button that says send. And God says, I can use that. Noah, not Noah, Moses had a stick. I've got a phone. But if I'll say yes, what could God do? Come on, let's put ourselves, church, where the people are. Let's not be so aloof and standoffish that there's so much negativity, and I know there is. But how about, church, we get our message out there? How about we get Jesus out there? How about you tell your story? How about you encourage someone? How about you pray for someone? How about you share yourself? You know, God is able to bring heaven to earth in all kinds of weird and wonderful ways. And I believe he's going to do things we've never seen before. He says, I'm doing a new thing. Well, wouldn't it be awesome if you shared a message on social media and 20 people just got healed because they read your message? God could do it. I'm just throwing stuff out there now just to stir some faith in some people. Don't be condemned. You know, if you're not on social media and you never intend to, that's cool.
But if you feel a little bit stirred, come on, get your, get your life out there. Someone needs to see it. I believe that the way forward for the church now is what I'm going to call blend. No, we need to stay online. We had so much success, so many awesome people checking out church who have never checked it out before. But we also need to gather. There is something special in the gathering. And I know everyone's not ready to gather yet, and that's, that's cool. But for those who want to, when you get together, something powerful happens when God's people come together and worship. When God's people come together and get around the word, something special happens. So we need to gather, but we need to be online. And I'm calling it blend. So let's work together and wrestle together and chat that through together and pray it through together so that we get the blend that God's looking for. Because I'm going to believe the world's going to change because the voice of the church is going to get louder and louder. There must be an amen in the church. Your story counts. Your faith counts. You have a contribution to make. And all the while, God is sustaining you. All the while, God has promised he will carry you, even to the gray hairs. That's God's word for you. So how about we actually trust him at his word and believe he's going to sustain us and we look around ourselves and be the one to reach out to one and just see what God might do through you because you're an amazing person. I'd love to pray for you. Father, Father, I want to thank you for every amazing person that's tuned into this service, whether that be on Sunday or, or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday or Saturday the power of online church it's accessible whoever's listening to this I just speak a blessing to you in Jesus name I encourage you you count you're important you've got a gift you've got a story you've got an encouragement have a yes in your heart get a yes in your heart Give God what you've got, whatever that might look like. Don't think it's not enough. We can always look around and see someone who's better than us. But you count. You've got enough. Come on, church, let's get a yes in our heart. Let's believe to see some more people meet Jesus. Let's believe to see some more healing. Let's believe to see more testimonies of miracles and provision. Let's have a yes in our heart, church. And just like I do every week, I want to give an opportunity. Is there someone out there watching today who's feeling like I need to say yes to this Jesus because I've suddenly realized he's the way to the Father? And when you say yes to Jesus, I can promise you this, your life will change. You'll get a peace in your heart you can't find anywhere else. You have an assurance of your eternity. You have a fresh hope while you're here on earth. You'll be connected to a great family who will walk with you. There's nothing better than having a yes in your heart to Jesus. So if that's you today, let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you that you love me. Today I invite you into my heart and I say yes to you. I give you my life and I say sorry for where I've left you out and done things my own way. But today I want to make you my Lord, my Savior, my friend and invite you into the middle of my world. Lead me forward. And all God's people said, 
Amen. 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 Hey, it's been a privilege to uh, share with you, pray with you, cheer you on, have an awesome week with whatever you're doing, bless someone, wrestle through this message, make it count, act on it, and be the most awesome version of yourselves because you count. Come on, let's go out on a praise church.